one. Hello, hello, greetings, greetings, everybody in listening land. Welcome back. This is the Unicorn's Couch. Um, I will be um, uh, honored to host the conversation this evening. This is uh, your brother, Jeremy Darden, and I am joined together, man, always an honor and a pleasure. Um, fellas, please introduce yourself to listening land out there. Hey, everybody. This is uh, Robert Bacon, not to be confused with the Bacon's Rebellion. Oh, look at you. A little history lesson, sir. Mm-hmm. A little history lesson. Okay. Well, um, I'm Warren Howard. I am super excited. I'm excited because we have another day. And so I'm looking for an opportunity for us to celebrate this day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, man. So so thank you one and all, man, for, for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. It's never too late to uh, to, to, to join and jump on. Um, but also know that we are in season two. So we have um, we're, we're steadily building up a, a, an archive and stacking some sessions. So we invite you to go back and listen to um, to anyone or all of the, the previous episodes that we have. But this is season two. And, and tonight's conversation is really going to be continuing from last week's So this is going to be part two of this fatherhood discussion, right? And um, titling it tonight, Be the Healing, because we welcome fathers and men to to actively be present and actively take part in the healing of yourself and healing of of, of the children that are with us and also healing of the future generations to come. So we just really want to welcome you, the listeners. Um, Once again, Jeremy, Rob, and and, and O, Oren, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us by way of email at unicornscouch at gmail.com and also on um, IG, Instagram uh, at the Unicorns Couch, Unicorns Couch. All right. Um, We always welcome We want to make sure that you understand that this is a circular experience between you, the listener, and us, the um, podcasters, and that if you have some insight, some thoughts, some visions, we are here to manifest your visions in a way that we can have dialogue. This is just something from a male's perspective, from a male's perspective of culture, and we're just excited to have you here. I tell you what, couldn't have said it better myself, man. So, so, so let's you know dive right on in, and 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 as we you know have been doing, kind of starting or setting the table, so to speak, with a little bit of a, a therapeutic theme or a quote, and um and for today's session, I I really um I really couldn't settle on one, so I want to offer two that may help, um or that may help kind of set the table, as I say. So, so the first quote comes from um from Muji Baba, who says, "Step into the fire of self discovery." Mm. This fire will not burn you. It will only burn what you are not. Mm-hmm. Wow. And as that really spoke to me just as, as as a man in this world, but also as a father, because as we talked about last week, um, you know, becoming a father for the first time or, or even, you know, um, you know, just becoming a father, there's a lot that is unknown perhaps a lot of fear, just a lot of self-discovery process that is involved. And so a lot of times we may see the fire and be be weary of it. Um, and so that, that quote really spoke to me in, in hopes that it might guide some of the conversation tonight. And then the second one, of course, I think is a, is a much more um, well-used quote by uh, attributed to Frederick Douglass, which is, it is easier to build strong children than it is to repair broken men. <laughs> wow. Good. Uh, he hit us with two big ones, didn't he, Rob? Yeah, I'm sitting here saying that is the mantra of my whole uh, working career at this point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit that mantra in, in your working career? What's that about? <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, again, a lot of times when I'm working with um, children uh, in my particular career, I'm a probation officer in the district. Um, but I've been working in the social work field, working with families for about 20 some years. Um, that is always something that has kept me to the forefront of what my uh, goal is when I'm working with any particular family, right? I don't want to come in thinking that I have the magic ticket or the key to change um, years of uh, developed behavior for whatever reason. Um, And so, you know, I try to teach some methods and some tools uh, to my young men and young women, and also to the families, to the parents, um, and specifically since we're talking about fatherhoods, um, just promoting that to the fathers of, okay, starting from here, you know, what can we do? Um, and understanding that we have to break some stuff first uh, so that we can do some positive things later. Um, noticing some of the things that have been done, um, and then after we notice that some of the things that have been done, whether they've been positive or negative, moving forward with a different paradigm. So that's that's like I said, that's where I come from with that. You know, that's that's what I do uh, every day uh, with every new kid, every new challenge that I meet. Um, these kids are not the kids on paper. Um, so, you know, you got to get in and, and meet them and, and kind of feel uh, where they're coming from and then try to teach some new things. But definitely. Um, noticing that if some of these things could have been done earlier, mm-hmm. uh, may be easier for them to cope with what they're going through now. So, mm-hmm. and 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 we know we're not always looking for easy, and we don't always get easy, right? And so, what I appreciate about you two brothers and this particular podcast is we're here to do both. We're here to build up strong children and also to do the hard work, which is repairing or healing some things that are broken in us, and hopefully. Um, you know, some of the listeners out there. Oh, so you got Dan, to- let me go back to your, your statement. Could you like kind of talk to our um, audience a little bit about we're not looking for the easy? What, yeah. what, how does that resonate with you as a clinician, as a father, as a man? Yeah, yeah. So, so I I um, learned early on that although my preference and my attachment would be to the easy. Life doesn't care much about my feelings. Right. And and and, you know, the system that, 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 that we're born into and grow up into oftentimes doesn't give us the privilege or the preference of taking the easy way. Right. And so I think that um, that we also learn that, you know, the heart of the battle, the sweet of the victory as well. And so therefore, um, although, um, you know, Frederick Douglass identifies or acknowledges the obvious, it's easy to build strong children, although a lot of us fathers know fathering isn't easy either. Right. Um, But we want to be able to an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, as the old um, axiom might say. Right. Hmm. And on on the therapeutic side, oh, I would love sometimes to have an easy session or or an easy client. But I also know as a helping professional um, committed to the work um, for the past 20 years, um, you know, it's not going to come easy. Yeah. Right. We got we got a segment coming up later this season about how to do the work. Right. Mm -hmm. And and when my my, when my son was on the basketball team, you know, he wanted to win. And we kind of developed this little mantra. If you want to win, you got to work to win. 
And so it takes three. You got to want, work and win. Right. And so we got to deal with the work. And we live in this microwave society or this 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 insta therapy, insta pot type of society where we want things to just kind of magically manifest. And although I am one who engages in a little bit of magical thinking at times myself, I do believe that things can be manifested, but it also has to coalesce or, or co-align with some of the universal law and we got to put the work in, right? Yes. Yeah. That's consistent with every religion. Rob, you were going to say something. Yeah. I just, I just want to say, I, you know, I, I teach my sons this um, and I try to pass this on. Easy is the disguise for, you know, failure. Okay. If something is easy, yeah. then that means that something has failed along the way. Right. Mm. Um, and so I, when you are presented with something that seems so easy or, you know, it's normally fool's gold mm-hmm. um, and it should challenge you to look a little bit further. So mm. that's all I want to say. I like mm-hmm. that. I was mm-hmm. going to say that easy is a snapshot of the moment. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, so when you talk about easy and difficult, they're married much like, uh, the brother Khalil Gibran talks about throughout his um, writing and his poetry and some other things. And so what I would say is that when you have that moment of easy reflection, you're taking a snapshot of how you feel and how you're relating in that particular time period. What I would encourage you is to look at the whole cycle so that you can actually interpret it for what it is. It is a journey. Mm. Mm. And 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 just hearing that just really reminded me, you know, um, you know, give thanks for the elders. Um, yeah. Give thanks for the elders and, and 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 this old school traditional phrase, the fullness of time. Right. Mm-hmm. When 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 the timing is right, things are easy. It just flows. Right. Um, life can be so you know self affirming at times. And so yeah, one of the one of the best things to do is to understand timing. Right. In my younger years, when I tried to force things as a father, um, it, 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 it usually was a lot more stressful. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons in more traditional or indigenous societies where there is this this multi-generational you know, um, unit because the grandparents are allowed to do a lot of the parenting you know, passing on the wisdom to the children while the parents might be out there, you know, gathering the resources and and the sustenance for survival. Right. Um, And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, man, we hit the ground running tonight, didn't we? I I guess we had to go right in like you requested, sir. I'm I'm about to take the notes and just throw them on out. And, you know, we can freestyle this the whole time. But but yeah, so we can. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and just, you know, um, one last thing. And then or at least um, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the lyrics of Vaughn Benjamin, you know, folks that, that I work with and folks that that, that that hang around me know that oftentimes I, I think in song lyrics. Right. Or, or just, you know, music is, is a form of meditation and, and medicine for me. And Vaughn Benjamin said in one song, revenge is not our plan. We're only here to rebuild a broken man. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so hopefully, you know, listeners out there, if you're, if you're still with us, 
maybe that theme of a little bit of healing and self-love and, 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 and sharing that healing and self-love work um, to the progeny, to the youth and, 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 and either to your own blood relative children or to the, to the youth that look up to you and you've developed that relationship with. So, um, so yeah, on that note, if, if, um, if you brothers don't mind, maybe just offering some, 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 some affirmation, some positive quality or characteristics when either when you look at, at fathering done well, Right. When, when, when you're kind of in that zone as a father or when you're seeing fathers out in the world doing their thing, what are some 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 positive attributes and characteristics that you see in fathers and father figures? Well, if I may, I, some of the characteristics that I see clearly are um, being able to say that you're sorry, um, being able to show uh, young men and young women that um, it is OK to make mistakes uh, that mistakes don't make you, um, and that they are truly just that. Uh, they're learning experiences uh, through that. Uh, another issue <clears throat> that I see, excuse me, um, w- with some healthy fathering um, is showing vulnerability, uh, showing the ability to cry, um, dealing with uh, hurt in a way that uh, shows your kids that um, they can deal with things, um, they can learn how to uh, have emotions without being judged. Um, you know, getting away from this toxic masculinity of men don't cry and we have to be tough all the time, you know, things of that. Um, and, and showing uh, through your actions, not through your words, through your actions, um, how to love, right? Um, you mm-hmm. know, flowers and, and you know, saying uh, their mother or saying a female or the, um, the opposite sex or what have you, uh, you know, showing by example, hey, you look beautiful today or giving positive affirmations, letting them see that, not telling them that they need to do it. Um, you know, a lot of times I think today's generation is fed up with all of that talk of what you should do um, when they see you do something different. So walk the walk, mm. you know, walk the walk as a dad. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> it is an ever evolving changing job. Um, and so you have to learn how to change and move uh, with what's going on at the time that is going on, specifically talking about um, you know this pandemic and, and the coronavirus and things of that nature. I think one of the positive blessings out of it all is that um, people are home. Parents are home. Dads are home. Um, I'm a father. I'm home. Um, mm. I'm really, really, really getting a chance to learn the the beautiful people that my children are becoming firsthand um, without having to hear it from mom or through conversations, um, seeing it and being a part of that, uh, telling them that I love them, seeing them uh, physically, you know, being in their space. Um, you know, you, you got to look at that as a father, man. This is this is man. This is one of the, 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 the better parts of this pandemic um, because it made you do what my mom has been telling me to do. Slow mm. down, slow down, right? And, and slow down in a lot of, because uh, you, as, as Orrin always tells us, because slowing down allows you to be in the moment, right? Um, and to, to kind of get what's coming and, and as it's happening, as opposed to processing it uh, at a, you know, micro trip um, type of processing speed, you're able to kind of see it and work through some things. 
So, you know, those are some of the things that I would throw out to, you know, some of my young fathers or what have you. Um, you know, you're here. Now. Let's make the best of it. Uh, these years right now, you know, this year or what have you coming up, you know, is has been one that you've had a chance to, you know, make amends, but also to begin, you know, drawing uh, what you want your kids to be and see in you moving forward. Mm. I love it. I have to ask you, though, Rob, um, how do you do it, the things that you just illustrated, if you don't have experience in doing it before? I love that. And let me tell you why. We just talked about easy and hard. First of all, the first thing you got to do is get out of your own way. So what you didn't do it before? You're learning as they're learning. Um, being vulnerable is a trait that you can pass to your children because it allows you to learn. And so telling them that you don't know, telling them that we're going to do this together helps them understand that, wow, I can ask for help. Um, and that, okay, I got it. He's trying. And sometimes that's all you need for them to kind of see that you're, you're attempting and that you're trying. Second of all, there's no book, right? And like I, I said in the last episode, you're not your parents. And so some of the things that your parents did were to your detriment. I'm sorry, people. It was to your detriment. So you can look at those things and say, hey, maybe we can go about it this way, right? I will, I will draw on one thing. Um, I remember growing up wanting to be a basketball player, but my mom doesn't know how to play basketball. So I said to myself when I got older, if ever I have kids, if I could just have that help. Right. Um, and so when my son wanted to play basketball, I was all in. But I remember and I was able to slow down enough to say, wow, you know, God, if you believe in God, God, you know, answered my prayers and said, OK, there you go. Here's your chance to be the father that you wanted to be. Let me say that again. Mm. Here's your chance to be the father that you want to be. So for the people that are, don't have a clue, you do have a clue. The first thing is you realize that you don't have a clue. So now what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Right. And so, okay, I don't have a clue. So let's figure this out together. Yeah. That to a child, O and J, it means the world because you're there with them fighting. And that's really what they want to feel protected. And they want to feel like, you know, you're there with them and that will help them get through anything. I love it. I was going to say to Jeremy's original question, the one thing, and we can talk about this all day, but the one word that I will kind of resonate on for our listener audience is the concept of balance. It, it is the notion of being able to both recognize and understand that you're part of a system and trying to change a system in real time. And so you're part of a system that um, for many people that don't give you the textbook answers on how to be a man, how to be a father, how to not associate fatherhood with uh, lack of emotions or financial worth or, you know, some of the things that have been illustrated or physical security at times. But to expand that into, you know, being a nurturer, being a support system, kind of like what Rob alluded to, being in the struggle on a day-to-day -day basis, um, being in the fire, kind of what Jeremy alluded to, and being balanced with, um, I think Rob mentioned it earlier today, um, being able to recognize 
the beauty of imperfection. Mm-hmm. And so balance is the thing that I would say for anybody that's mm-hmm. trying to learn a skill, a new skill, trying to embrace um, a process is is the word that just resonates with me, Jay. What, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the words that really jumped out of me is this 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 value of generosity. Okay. As, as as a father, I've found that that being gentle and generous, not allowing people to take kindness for weakness, right? But being generous because to whom much is given, much is expected. And when we see our children as sacred, when we see our children as gifts and treasures to um, to really care for, right? Then that generosity very well can flow. And I was um, early on. I was I was brought up with like two main roles that a father should do, which is be a provider and a protector. Yeah, provider and a protector. Yeah, provider and a protector. Right. Absolutely. And. And although those two are essential functions um, in, 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 in my household, right, um, they are by no means the only two. And it's situational leadership. There are times when other values and other attributes need to really take the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm angry, I might have to protect my children from my own anger. Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm no, you can't just move over that. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at our audience or our audience. We can actually see each other. I need you to explain that a little bit further to our listener audience. Yes, brother. Yes. Yeah, man. So, so, um, so if I'm focused primarily in this role of provider and protector, right? Um, Then I may fail to realize that my anger can be my own worst enemy and my anger might get in the way of me fulfilling that role of protector. I have to protect my children from my own anger, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is the, 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 the way towards toxic masculinity, Right. Mm -hmm. As men, we are socialized and conditioned, you know, not really to express too many emotions, but anger might be one of the more socially acceptable ones. Right. Or anger might be the one that kind of releases our sense of pride, ego, our sense of power Mm -hmm. in this society. Right. And if I demonstrate um, that anger in front of my children, I no longer become a protector. I might actually be an abuser. Right. Or I might actually be a a role model of the very thing that my divine role and right as a responsibility as a parent is to protect them from that. Mm. Right? Mm. Mm. Ooh, let me just say real quick, listen, so that you can get this. OK, let me just say this, because this is how I'm hearing this. OK, so that dad then becomes the man that your daughter looks for and then becomes the model of, of anger that your son then displays. And so again, you have to protect them from that. And by Mm -hmm. protecting them, you have to know that, okay, you know what? I'm angry right now. I'm furious, okay? And so right now is not the time for me to have this conversation because I will verbally abuse you because I'm upset. And 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 I'm not able to express my anger appropriately, right? Um, 
fast forward being a dad, especially me, I'm a father of girls. Um, I'm very weary of what I say and how I say it and, and how my anger comes across because she's watching me and seeing in me the man that she wants in the future. So you got to make sure, listeners, you got to make sure I love if, you're a, if you're a new father that you're cognizant of that. Same thing for my boys, right? Um, when we hear that they were in a fight or things of that nature, you know, and you hear that they express the anger the same way that you do, some of that you're not proud of, right? Mm. You may be happy at the fact that they may have won the fight, but how they won the fight to me is more important. I, I, I think you hit it on the, on the head. I will say anger is not discipline. It's not, it has no real correlation to it except for it occurs around the same time. Discipline is a strategic plan to help teach the lessons to reinforce like life lessons that happen. But I've always said, I've said this to men and women alike, from zero to 18, if you're so blessed enough to have your child in your life every day, mm -hmm. you want to see every possible mistake and every poor decision under your watch mm -hmm. so that you can reinforce what is the value that that you want to convey to your 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 children. And so um, I used to do one of my many, many jobs. I used to do investigations for child abuse and neglect. And I remember going on a case and going out to a brother's house, African-American male who had, I had just removed their daughter because he had physically disciplined her and left marks all over her. And that's, and, and according to the law, that, that is what it is. That's the definition of abuse. And he looked at me and he said, dude, I know you got your beat too. And I said, yes, I, I did actually. But what I will say to you is that what I've learned over time is that in all the parenting evaluations that's going throughout the life, I worked in jails, I worked in psych hospitals and stuff like that, that it wasn't physical discipline that had somebody behave. It was relationship. Mm. And so... And so in order for you to try and convey the messages that you want to convey, this is what I said to him standing outside his door. I was like, try disciplining without anger. Tell me what that would experience be like. He's like, then why would I do it? Mm. And I said, Ooh. exactly. And so, and so we're teaching um, as men, we're teaching if we're not careful our children not to be connected to our emotions. Why can't they see you cry? That's right. Why can't they see you cry if that's something that's emotional? My son has seen me cry. And he'll ask me, why, why'd you cry? And I'll explain it to him. Right. I have just norm crying for him. That's right. That's right. A cycle breaker. Mm -hmm. I am trying to undo some of the harm of systemic kind of issues that have passed down through multi-generations that impact. <clears throat> and I will say it was hard for me to cry. It took over two decades for, for me to understand the value of crying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so what I'm saying to you is that you got to be able to teach that just to your son and daughters that it's okay to see a man's cry. Why? Because that is an emotion. Yeah. And how can we teach what we don't know ourselves?
right? We have to really take, you know, the lead and active role. If we weren't exposed to it in our own childhood or if we weren't the recipients of such parenting, then we need to seek out that resource and information, right? You know, self-control begins with self-awareness. Absolutely. Right. Emotional regulation is rooted in emotional intelligence. And if I'm not knowing how I'm feeling or if I can't put my feelings into words all too often as men, we put it into action. Right. And that's action with anger. But right? Jeremy, when you understand when you agree that you have to be a cycle breaker, like it's almost like you can you may not have learned how to play a sport when you were young. But mm-hmm. if it was important to you, mm-hmm. you would have gotten with your friends and learned how to play a sport. You would have read, you would have YouTube, you would have done whatever you could. To get. It is a choice that you have to make to do something different mm-hmm. than what was done for you. That's right. That's right. An active choice. You have to be a part of the experience. Right. And in order to make your right, choice. Jeremy, when you say, you know, yeah, well, it hasn't, you, you have to model it. That's the message that I got from what you're saying. You have to model it, right? Yeah, but yeah. but in order for you to model it, you have to create desire. Mm-hmm. And with, the, with creating desire and making the choice, the last thing, the last ingredient that you need is the courage to do Ooh. it, Ooh. right? And being a father is about courage. You have to have the courage to do it. Your courage will get you through a whole lot of questions that you have. Nah, Rob, you have to break that down. You can't just <laughs> drop that and then uh, go and try and go away from the point. What is courage? What are you saying? Well, again, I mean, courage is that feeling that you have to, to decide to go ahead and do it. You've, you've made the decision that you want to be a cycle breaker, right? You've made the decision that you have a desire to do it. Now, the courage is within you to say, okay, I'm going to do it regardless of, okay, anything. You can put anything after regardless of, of how you're viewed, right? Of what you think your child will think of you, of what society says, right? You you push through that. So courage is that slight push to get you to do it, to walk through that fire, Mm. right? So you can be reborn into whatever it is that you're doing, right? So that's what that, that courage is. Courage mm-hmm. is courage is listeners listening to this podcast and putting some things <coughs> excuse me into play, seeing that okay, I'm gonna try these things and see what the outcome is gonna be. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can one be a cycle breaker without courage, right? Yeah. Right. And 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 I, I'm I can't recite it verbatim, but but I, I was you know courage is not the absence of fear. Mm-hmm. Courage is the presence of something that's greater than your fear. Mm. Whether it's a value, a principle, a purpose, a meaning, a desire, right? Wanting something or needing something that, that you know, liberation exists on the other side of our fear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I have a question for you, Jay. Do you have to be like perfect to have courage? Can you, can, can I, can I be, make poor choices and still have courage? Absolutely. It, it takes, Absolutely. Right. Right. And, and and I'm laughing because my younger self might not have said absolutely. Right. <laughs> right. But 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 all too often, you know, we, we live and we learn and we grow through experience and we have to allow ourselves the opportunity to reflect, to live and to learn, 
perhaps a little bit of patience and grace and hopes that our, our, our experiences aren't too costly, right? But we also have to leave this, this image of perfection. We have to, you know, as, as Dr. John Henry Clark says, we have to throw that image in, 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 in the trash can of history because it serves us no purpose, mm. right? There is no such thing as perfect, right? Be authentic, be honest, mm. be genuine and sincere, Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There are times and I'll, I'll, I'll try not to show it, but there are times when, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death for my kids. Mm-hmm. I am fearful that I might not have what they need of me in those moments. Mm-hmm. And so I have to really ground and center myself. Right. The word that you had said earlier, oh, and we can bring it into the present moment is balance. Right. There are some cycles that I know I need to break. There are also other patterns and traditions that I need to carry forward. Yes. So there is a balancing of what we leave behind and what we carry forward with us. Right. I'm just so curious about, um, you know, and I'm sorry, Jay, I'll turn it back over to you. But I'm curious about how this kind of blends with the expectations of others around you, in particular expectations in, in heterosexual marriages from women. Um, the expectations from, you know, siblings or other people in your family. Like, how does this kind of marry into your discussion for 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 the both of you? Hmm. Go ahead, yeah. Jay. I, I I think I think that adds, um, you know, such a valuable you know wrinkle into the conversation. Right now we're bringing in, you know, concepts um, on on a on a therapeutic level. Now we're talking about perhaps projection, looking glass self, making sure that we have honest and genuine agreements with our partners. Right. Um, You know, returning back to a book that we've referenced a couple of, um, you know, episodes ago, the four agreements. How much of their expectations do I need to take personally? Mm. Right. How much of their validation or affirmation am I looking for when I may need to be a little bit more self-affirming and self-validating mm. or making sure that me and my partner who are raising this child, this child or these children together, we are on one accord. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So that we are still in tune with each other. And then, you know, other folks, with all due respect, they just may need to um, I may need to just kind of return you know, that to them and not mm. accept it or absorb it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, let me just just add to that, Jay. I love that. And I want to say that um, in, in parenting with a significant other, <clears throat> such as a wife, um, it, it is a and should be a joint venture in terms of uh, understanding that she brings things too. But what you bring is what you bring. And uh, what I what I mean by that, listeners, is that, you know, you're coming with the courage and understanding of a position um, and that that position should always be unified in front of the child. But there should be a conversation that you have afterwards or beforehand to understand their position. Right. And in understanding their position, uh, you can agree to disagree. Right. Mm -hmm. Without having to seem as if, well, daddy said or mommy said or things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. And so but that that's something too. You don't lose yourself. That allows the relationship to me to flourish because then there's a, there's a mutual respect there. Um, and 
hey, you know, I don't necessarily like the way that you dealt with something or, babe, I love the way that you dealt with that situation. It, it can go either way, right? And in going either way, it only breeds respect. And then the child benefits from seeing that respect. And then when they become adults themselves, then they reciprocate that respect because that's what they saw. And that's one of the things as a father you want to teach in your kids is how to be respectful, right? How to listen to other people's opinions, how to agree or disagree in a way that's not detrimental to the listener. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yo, once once again, beautiful and brilliant people out there listening, you are tuned in to the Unicorn's Couch. Um, the topic of tonight is, is part two of a conversation centered around fatherhood and just really talking about how we as fathers can help show up and be the healing for ourselves and and, 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 and for the children and for the families that, that, that we are a part of. I am your host this evening. Today's um, topic, uh, I'm your host, Jeremy. You're here with uh, Brother Oren, Brother Rob. And, you know, by all means, we welcome your input feedback. As Oren had said earlier, you know, circulate your comments. Let us know. Um, hit us up at, at uh, by way of email, unicornscouts at gmail.com. Um, leave a, a, a note or a message, Instagram at Unicorn's Couch. So um, so with that being said, you know, we talked a little bit before about, um, you know, being pattern breakers and the courage that it could take. Um, what are some resources, right? If, if, if for listeners out there that may not have only to go off of their personal experiences, being the recipient of parenting, being maybe being um, maybe not ever having you know, a, a role model or, or, or fathering to rely on, what are some additional resources in addition to or in place of personal experience that you all may recommend to help the young fathers out there? So I'll talk about it from a clinical experience right now. Um, one of the things is that, you know, I try to work really hard at matching my clients, my male's clients' learning styles with what their particular goals are around this. Um, for some that are um, religious and spiritual, you know, you may be able to follow up within your church, your mosque, um, your synagogue, your, you know, and get some guidance on that. For others that are um, spiritual but studious, I've always said to everybody, become the student again. You know, there's so many different ways that you can start to plug into this. There are professional organizations, there's fatherhood initiatives that that help give resources. There's um, for men of color, there's African-American fatherhood initiatives that that give resources. There's also um, mental health resources, therapy. Sometimes, you know, and and we said this in season one, I haven't said it in season two, but therapy is really about sharpening the swords not everybody comes to therapy because there's a problem. Some people mm. just want to get better at something. And mm. so what I would say to you is that when you're a student, you'll use whatever research resor- resources that you have at your disposal to kind of do it. Now, if you're talking about internal resources, um, being present requires meditation. Mm. It requires some level of, of mindfulness. I just got finished... Um, and I don't. Uh, I think it was White Fragility by Robin Leangelo or some uh, uh, and a couple other books. I'm reading Obama's book, but I was uh, uh, really, really um, an explosive child. I was reading that as well. But my point is that, and one of the readings, which I can't remember right now, 
it illustrated that mindfulness is not just, you know, this kumbaya moment of feeling good and getting back to normalcy. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is actually becoming aware of your feelings. Mm-hmm. So not every feeling that you have is the best feeling. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for internal resources, you got to figure out when are you most open to learn? And that means that you have to learn how to practice being more present. So parenting is harder when you don't have any money. Mm. I don't know how to work around that. You know what I mean? That's a fact. But you not having any money is not a prerequisite for parenting. So if you don't have any money and you feel some kind of way about it, get present. Because that's not going to change in that moment. But what you can do in terms of creating and becoming a cycle breaker, mm-hmm. is that you can take that moment and kind of feed into and deposit into the next generation, which is your child. Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the things that I think about. I, don't, I don't, you know, Rob, where, where, did you want to jump in on that one? I, I mean, bro, you 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 said it perfectly. I just want to add on to just a few things, if I can. Number one. Um, it is society that says that money makes you a good dad. Um, and as society, we buy into that foolishness. Um, you know, the second thing is figure out how you learn. You may learn better on the fly. You may learn better by reading. You may learn better by seeing um, or by mimicking or what have you. Figure out how you learn. And then when you figure out how you learn, then you can be uh, all present and getting the information and the knowledge that you need to be successful. So, again, what does that mean, Rob, for for the layman's person, right? So, my listeners, here it is. It's very simple, okay? Being present is just this. Getting your kid, playing a simple game of whatever, okay? Learning your kid, but also letting your kid see you learn, okay? And then that allows you to get better. And you can build on that. I would suggest that you start today if you haven't already. And it's very simple. Like I said, it's just being present, literally being in the presence of your particular child um, and seeing and building and feeding off of that. Maybe it's watching a television show or a football game or something that you kind of can both uh, be into. Or watch this. Ask your children. What, what they like. Wow. Picture, picture that. Ask them what you'd be surprised. Today's kids are way ahead of where we were at their age, right? They're bombarded with things. And so you'd be surprised at some of the things that they like. And guess what? They, at that particular point, are open to you 100% because you mm-hmm. asked them what you like. Now, they'd probably say, oh, dad, you're too old to learn the newest dance or do a TikTok. But the fact that you ask mm-hmm. means 2,000% to them. Where to you, it just took you a few words. Hey, baby boy, what, what are you into? What do you like? Uh, I don't know anything about that, but teach me. Okay. And that, again, gets that cyclical thing that Professor Howard has been trying to teach you, students. Okay. Mm-hmm. That it is cyclical. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is. And then you walk away feeling probably the best feeling that you ever had in your life, okay? I mean, it's better than an orgasm, people. I'm telling you, to hear or see your kids laughing, 
truly laughing, it, it's it's nothing better. It's nothing mm. better, especially if you were a part of it. And so you can get started with that today. Mm-hmm. That's what I have, Jay. That's what I got. Powerful. You know, I encourage the, the the fathers out there, don't be a passive participant in the life and the learning of your child. Actively seek the knowledge. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, joining in the conversation from Baltimore. And so I encourage, you know, although we're still under the COVID quarantine reality, but, but get a library card. Go to the public library. It's free. Right. Yeah. In Baltimore, go to everyone's place bookstore, Wisdom yeah. Book Center. Yes. Red Emma's. Go to book places. Of, you know, expose your children, expose yourself to, to treasure troves and resources of knowledge and information. Seek out the knowledge. Um, or you would, you would, um, you know, mention, you know, church and mosques, you know. Invest in the community because there are other fathers out there that might not um, be in the same place that you are. And they may be able to say, hey, man, you know, why don't you try this? And why don't you do this? Why don't we link up? Right. So that we can, you know, really connect with each other and not try to recreate this wheel. Right. Um, Also, what I love about both of of your responses is that that it reminds us as fathers, we have to balance being both a student and a guide. Yeah. In the life of our children. Yeah. And, and I had mentioned it last week that that, that that children raise parents as much as parents raise children. Amen. I was never a parent until my children came into this world. Mm. Wow. Mm. Can you say that one more time? I don't think people heard that. <laughs> I don't think they did. Listen, listen you, you, you got to hear, Brother Jay. It's a lot of men on you. Man. Children raise parents as much as parents raise children. Think about it. Until your child came into the world, you were not a parent. Yeah. You hadn't been in that role before. Right. So expand your your your, your horizons. Seek out the knowledge. Right. And then utilizing that courage that we had mentioned before to be able to try and apply the knowledge. And with that experience, yeah, they're going to come some L's. They're going to come some losses. Mm-hmm. Right. But also they're going to come some L's, which is the love, too. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. And as long as we're experiencing what we think are losses in and with this medicine of love, mm-hmm. it cultivates wisdom. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so yeah, there there are a couple of um, you know um, you know books on, on the clinical level. Whenever I'm, I'm supervising other clinicians, um, you know, supervising student interns, um, you know, there are there are many books that I really really um, really implore the students to to really kind of read and digest and really um, you know get to know um, in in the, in this field of social work and helping professionals. Um, one of the books is is Dr. Joy DeGruz's um, book Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome because I think that she does a phenomenal job of just kind of laying out a lot of the patterns that have been ever present for hundreds of years. And then also, oh, as you had suggested, how to be a pattern breaker. Sure. One of the things that she says towards the end of the book, and although I'm going to take it a little bit out of context, one of the things that she suggests in community activism work and community healing work is, is quote unquote, to stay in the room. Yeah. Right. 
to stay in the room. And, and how I interpret that in terms of parenting and fatherhood is to stay in the room or stay in that role of father, however frustrated, however fearful, however anxious, however uncertain you may be experiencing being a father or however frustrating co-parenting might be. We haven't even touched upon what fathering is like if you and the mother of your child are completely at odds. Yes. Right. But finding ways within yourself to, quote unquote, stay in the room, whether it's a physical room in that space with your child or metaphysically speaking, stay in the frame of mind, stay in that room of consciousness to say, I am not giving up on myself as a father and I'm not giving up on this experience of fathering my children. Sure. Right. Sure. right? Um, and so. um yeah, I'm, I'm going to read off a list. And and, and, and if you guys can just maybe, um, you know, speak on this, um, you know, and, and this is a list that, that's offered up by uh, Dr. Haki Matabudi. Dr. Um, Dr. Matabudi had, had written a book many years ago called Tough Notes, A Healing Call for Creating Exceptional Black Men. And he has a, a whole chapter on fathering and parenting. Um, and so how, how would you say how important do you think um, healthy and healing physical touch is? from a father to a child, teaching your child how to, to, to receive healthy and healing physical touch, not just the, the, the for those yeah. corporal punishers out there, the spanking. Yeah, yeah. It's how essential. important is touch in the parenting relationship? Yeah, it's essential. Um, the mastery or one's um, focus on mastering your five senses is essential for your own personal development. And touch is one of the senses that you have to understand. Everything is a lesson, smell, taste, hearing. Um, it also develops your learning style. You know, mm. um, you know, I often do this exercise with my uh, clients where I ask them, do you, do you hear what I'm saying to you? Do you feel what I'm saying to you? Mm-hmm. Do you do, do you see what I'm saying to you? To, to, because they choose language. Um, there's an old book written in 69 by Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, that talks about the, that words have meaning. So people r- will guide you in their process. So to your point, Jay, when you're a parent, you do have to help your young ones understand the power of touch. You know, um, you know, I have people in my family that are uh, massage therapists and, 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 you know, one of the things that they educate me on is that people believe that this is a treat somehow. And it's not, you know, something that is a part of your actual development. Those are things that we have to be mindful of. So I think it's essential. Jay, Jay, uh, Rob, did you want to jump in on that one? Um, of course, I, I, I think it's, it's very essential, uh, especially for my young men. Um, for my sons, um, and I know that this is going to embarrass them, but I don't care. I, I love to grab them and kiss them on the head and things yeah. of that nature because um, sometimes a male-to-male touch uh-huh. um, can show the best form of love as opposed to it being something else. Um, right. And so, you know, same thing with, you know, my daughters and things. I mean, I show them all love, but also touch teaches boundaries, mm. Right. And so, you know, you, you can begin to teach boundaries with touch, right? And especially as a father, you know, you can teach positive touching where people should not touch you and things of that nature. But that's where it comes from. They look to you for protection. And so that's where it comes from. And um, so, yeah, I will bet that I was over Rob's house one day and I was talking to his youngest son. And I said, I love him. 
And <laughs> I said, I told you I love you. And he just looked at me. I, he's used to it, but he's like, it's still, it takes a minute to get used to that. Like a man telling you that he loves you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, they, these are the things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one of the awesome times of this particular generation is that, you know, um, scientific exploration and discovery is really validating and confirming what, um, you know, ancient traditions have always taught. Right. Meaning there is tremendous medicine when it comes to hugs. Right. Mm. Just hugging somebody for longer than five seconds mm-hmm. releases hormones and chemicals within the body mm-hmm. that actually de-stress and helps to, um, you know, really relax the central nervous system. And for those of, 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 of the listeners out there and for those of us who have been exposed to or have experienced trauma, whether it's trauma related to church or just, you know, um, witnessing traumatic life experiences, mm-hmm. right? Being able to have that hug, releasing those healthy neurochemicals is absolutely essential, right? Um, and so even with teenagers, you know, I, I make it a point to have physical contact with my kids, whether it's just a dap, a pound, a hug, um, you know, a kiss on the forehead, you know, just really reaffirming that bond and that connection and that attachment and that attunement, that, that, that relational attunement mm-hmm. to show, hey, you know, I'm here, right? And, you know, um, got your back, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, you all had also mentioned just the verbal words of nourishment, the words of encouragement, being able to speak. Man, I love you, bro. Appreciate you, man. One of the things that that, that, that I appreciate about the, the three of us is that that flows freely. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the toxic masculinity pieces is um, kind of attributing that type of love language or that 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 verbal affirmation with, you know, either homosexuality type of behavior. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that that more than 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 so many other things, this generation is really putting to rest. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Being able to verbally affirm and verbally express love between, you know, men and it not be homoerotic. If it is, so be it. But it's not always associated with that. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with it. Right. Yep. Um, how important would you say as, as a father um, taking vacations and, 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 and kind of just taking um, your child or children out of their normal everyday environment and seeing other things? Would, would that be something that you all would recommend? Um, absolutely. <clears throat> there needs to be two vacations, one with your particular loved one, and then one that you take with your kids. It should be a rite of passage, especially mm. for fathers. Um, trust me, when they call you dorky, when you wear the long black socks with the sandals and shorts. and you That know, ain't me. That's, that's, that, that's orange. Well, yeah. You no. know. <laughs> yeah. But again, I mean, when they're, talking, yeah, when they're talking about you, like, that's love, man. But that's also learning. Um, and taking them out, and it allows them to see different things. You want mm-hmm. to expose, expose, expose. Mm-hmm. I can't say that enough, listeners. Uh, expose it. You never know that that exposure could shape that young person or that child's life uh, for the rest of their life, decide what they want to do for the rest of their life, just because they visited somewhere or they went somewhere out of the country, okay? Listeners, get a passport. Get up out of the United States. There's a big world out there. They always say it's a small world. No, it's a big world, right? Mm-hmm. Get out there, see things, 
rub your feet in some black sand, you know, get some sun on your face. So yes, and take your kids to experience that with them. Even if your parents did not do that, you have to expose them to these things that they only see on the internet, to these mm -hmm. places that they only go to in books so that they see that there's some, some real tangible things in terms of, of, of them putting their hands on it and seeing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to say I'm going to bring it down because I will say both of you are both um, a little better at that than me. But I would say that, you know, it starts you can expose and show new things in the home. Um, yes. I have some clients that have like African cuisine night where they go to a country, they try and uh, mimic the recipes, they uh, watch videos on it, watch movies on it, and they and they cook a meal for that. Or, you know, I will say my son has gotten the PWI experience. He's gotten the HBCU experience. He's been in the classrooms when I've been teaching in these places. Um, he's been in my space when I'm when I was a student again and got my my other masters. You know, um, I would say that exposure doesn't necessarily have to equate to money because I can't count your money or whatever, but there are different things that we can do in addition to the great suggestions that we're going out that doesn't allow you. So if you don't have money, you know, let's make it a video light. Let's make it, let's make it a Netflix night. Remember the red box? Let's make it a red box night. I think they still have them in the su supermarkets or whatever, but you know, and, and let's, let's, let's travel. Let's, let's travel. Let's, let's do something that really exposes and continues to keep our, our growth pattern going for our young people. Now, it's something to be said when you look at water and you can see all the way to the bottom mm -hmm. without any cloudiness. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about that Miami water. Mm -mm. I'm not talking about that California water. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about, you know, something. And so I would, I would definitely encourage that to be a value that you explore. But if you don't have the financial means, mm -hmm. you certainly can head up the embassy. Before the pandemic, you can go to embassy events. You can experience some of these things. Now mm -hmm. that we're in COVID, be creative. There are some things that are going to be one-dimensional that you can see um, on the internet that allow you to, to go to museums, go to things like that. Um, you know, one day me and my son just picked up and drove to Atlanta. You know what I mean? And and he he went to the Coca-Cola factory. Like any about amount of exposure to information and things like that is a value. And I and I and, and I'm and I joke, but I'm serious. The both of you have uh, have made it a high priority. And so because you've made it a high priority, that's a tactical advantage in, in the learning process of your children. That is different advantage. And unfortunately, you know, like for me, I, I tried to send my son to Italy when they shut down. Look at my timing, baby. But yeah, even if it's just going to a farmer's market, yeah. or just kind of plotting out in your, 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 your local area. OK, where are some parks that I've never been to before? Right. Mm -hmm. um, national parks, places that like, like you say, may not demand a high price financially, right? But it really does demand some quality time and to show up and be present, right? To be creative, right? Um, man, we, we can be here all night. 
right? And 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 I know our children won't allow for that, right? So we got we, we got other things that we need to tend to. Um, in any closing remarks or in anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with um, as we wrap up this episode and prepare for 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 a, a return next week, you can do this. I'm talking mm-hmm. to the father right now. You can do this. You are more than capable of breaking a cycle. That's right. For the things that you no longer want to do. And just because it was done to you doesn't mean it's the best thing. We evolve. As you get new information, adapt. Maybe that's not the best strategy for the, the 2021 child. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. but the reality is forgive yourself. I don't care what mistakes you made in the past. Tomorrow's a new day. Absolutely. One thing I just want to hit the uh the listeners with is I started off by saying um Robert Bacon, not part of the Bacon Rebellion. So learn some local history mm. and take your kids to experience it. That's mm-hmm. what I leave you with. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 by doing that, Rob, what you're doing is you're also making history. You're creating those memories in the life and in the relationship of, of you and your child. So um so love you both, man. And and once love again, you. thanks for, for, for tuning in and, and sticking with us. And we look forward to catch you on the flip side next session. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.